0: This is Neil. <laughs> and welcome to the Re... View. Podcast. podcast. Oh man, I thought you were going to jump in there as, uh, you know, his street buddy.
1: No, no. Oh my god, that's brilliant though. I, I, So we have these ideas for skits that open up the podcast, but then we don't actually brief each other on these ideas that we have. So keep, it keep, keep it fresh. Keep it going. Keep it fresh keep each other on our toes, I guess. But... Folks, we have just seen in the last 24 hours the Matrix Resurrections, which I have to tell you, I went into with a huge amount of skepticism. I mean, really, and I didn't think this thing was going to work. And I actually
0: didn't really even care. <laughs> Dad's still doing his Keanu. Um, <laughs> look... I get to really lean into this because I know you guys grew up with the Matrix, but he's basically my age. Yeah, no. Keanu I grew up, up with age. the
1: Matrix, but you grew up with Keanu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's exactly your generation. Yep. He's only like, what, one or two years yeah. difference from you? Yeah. And this is a perfect, wonderful evolution of both the character of Neo and kind of where... Keanu exists in the cultural conversation and where the Matrix exists in the cultural mm-hmm. conversation. So Which is my bread and
0: butter?
1: Yeah, no. I'm I'm very excited to discuss Matrix resurrections. I know normally we don't go for such contemporary fare. We're usually evaluating things kind of in the rear view, but I think part of the appeal of Matrix resurrections is it really interrogates the idea of the reboot or the sequel or the soft reboot and like that's kind of what we're all about. The idea of what gets carried forward, what's in the canon, what's sacred, what's not sacred, what needs to get thrown out, what's silly nonsense, and what persists. And The Matrix Resurrection, perhaps, I mean, I know some people have really criticized it for this, but for me, the fact that The Matrix Resurrections is in such close conversation on a metatextual level with its own existence
0: is really beautiful to me I, it, it I, could be sitting here with us on the review podcast yes right wachowski is literally making the same kind of cultural commentary that we do
1: yeah 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 lana wachowski is the director of this film uh, the very first film to my knowledge that she has ever directed separately from her sister lily wachowski um they've always been collaborators ever as far back as their film school days uh which is another reason why you were not excited to see it. I was not excited for this. I was really, really apprehensive because uh, there were three things that made me really worried, and I'll tackle them in degrees of seriousness. First and most serious, Lily and Lana Wachowski not collaborating, just Lana mm-hmm. Wachowski on her own, and and having never been able to see a just Lana Wachowski film, I had no faith you know with when you have creative partners that deep like would you want to go see a coen brothers movie that only that's, had one of the brothers well, like yeah,
0: that's... oh my god right plus i think you actually saw speed racer
1: yeah so. i did see speed i've paid my dues i saw speed racer <laughs> and the other thing is uh in the next most serious degree i watched the first trailer and so much of that first trailer seemed to be scenes from the first matrix just with an extra load of gloss over them and and I didn't know if... I guess I should have had more faith, but at the time I was like, do they, do they know what they're doing? Like, this is just mm-hmm. really repetitive. Like, it wasn't one for one, but it was so close that I was just like... Because like, most most of the first trailer was Bugs, one of the new main characters that's introduced, running from the police. And I'm like, man, this looks just like the Trinity escape scene. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the movie talks about that. Yeah, yeah. And then third, least the least most worrying thing, but something that really did pop up in my mind was... I thought the title was really stupid. I thought The Matrix Resurrections was a title on par with, like, Attack of the Clones. I was like, it's right there in front of you. Call it The Matrix Rebooted. The Matrix Restarted. Use a computer term to describe the computer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Resurrections ties in with the movie. The the title makes perfect sense, having now seen the film. But, again, just going off the marketing, I was really nervous. Mm -hmm. I really... I, I didn't go in uh, with kind of a hater mentality. Like I did went in with cats or whatever, but like, I, I was worried. I was worried. I, I didn't know what this would have to say 20 years on.
0: And so in most of this podcast, I'm going to talk a lot about uh, seeing it as an older person, right, yeah. who did appreciate the original trilogy. Uh, but, you know, you, this is absolutely a story about generations and, and influence from one generation to the other. And I got to tell you, all that stuff at the beginning with Bugs had me right away. It was so good of a start before Neo ever shows up, right? Keanu doesn't show up for, what, the first 15? 15, 15 minute mark, I would 15 say. Minute, 15 minutes, and and the actress who plays Bugs is so good, and the action is good. You know, she's done other stuff. She was actually in The Force Awakens. She was in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she's done a bunch. She's done a bunch of stuff. Um and and she was, it, I wouldn't say riveting, but I mean, she held your attention. And what was going on at the beginning was really interesting. And you get to see Morpheus before you see Keanu. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, so it had me right away. Yeah, yeah. And I have not been a particular fanboy uh, in between the releases. Yeah. Right? I've been aware. I've enjoyed the movie trilogy. We did watch the anime. Uh, back when that came out, but, like, you know, I didn't play the MMO. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not uh, as much a fan as I am of Star Wars, but this had me from the very beginning.
1: Yeah. It's it's really something that they... Uh, we're going to get into full spoilers here, folks, because I just Are don't we? think... Can Do we think not talk about it without spoilers? I, I don't think there's not. any way to talk about it without spoilers. Okay. And, and frankly, enough. I... I don't think we'd have much of a podcast if we just talked around stuff. Okay. Um, so if I you, guess
0: we're gonna do spoilers.
1: Yeah. So if you don't want to be spoiled, the 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 six minute review that we have so far is it's incredible. Go see it. Uh, I would very much recommend because of the current COVID levels that you just resubscribe to HBO Max. Rather Which is what all... we did. Go to a theater. Yeah. But I would recommend even for just a month, it's worth signing up for HBO Max. We did mm-hmm. that for a month. I feel like I got my 12 bucks worth just with this one viewing, and I'm going to watch it more than
0: that before the my month is out. You know, I can put a, another uh, piece of icing on our six-minute review before we get into the spoilers, and yeah. that is I really like the first movie. I really, really like the second, which I know a lot of people poo-poo. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's your hot take is that you like the, like the second one.
0: Okay. I like the second one. And then the third one I really felt was boring, standard action fare. It was just a remake of Aliens. Uh, you know, it had its moments, but I was very disappointed and underwhelmed by the third one. And this one pulls all of it forward, right? That's yep. that's your big take on watching the fourth yep. one, is that all of the stuff that came before is canonical. Yeah. And so it even salvaged some of the third movie for me.
1: Yeah. I think the strongest thing I can say about this film is that it makes me want to go back and rewatch not just the first Matrix, not just the second Matrix, but even the first, and the the complete trilogy, and the mm-hmm. third one. Because I feel like it, it can't retroactively make the third one a better movie. I, I <laughs> agree, no. it's, it's the third one's pretty turgid, but yeah. I think there are a lot of thematic ideas mm-hmm. from the third one that carry over really well. Directly. And really, like, I, I think... So this is where we'll start to get into spoilers, because... What I Aww, love about this movie, little
0: girl. what I
1: love about this movie, is that it's not The Force Awakens. It's not we blew up the Death Star and the Empire just came back and nothing has changed and nothing has gotten better. And what little progress we've made has happened off screen and then gets blown up by another giant super weapon.
0: So we're starting over at ground zero. We're starting
1: over at ground zero. This movie very much says Neo's sacrifice and Trinity's sacrifice mattered immensely there are machines who think independently who have nothing against humans who are interested in collaborating mm-hmm. the machines are fighting the machines for resources mm-hmm. neo and trinity sacrifice has changed everything both inside the world of the matrix and outside the world of the matrix
0: and now we have strawberries and now
1: we have strawberries which is a huge difference maker
0: <laughs> well and so and they talk about this this is what i really liked about you know the matrix uh, resurrections is it is very meta and at one point, uh, Neo does say, well, it, it feels like nothing changed, right? Here I am back again. We're still fighting with the guys. We're doing this and we're doing that. And what's changed? Larry David as Neo. Exactly. <laughs> and and this next generation says, no, no, things did change. Things are better. Let us show you. that." That's where they sort of get to. I mean, there's exposition. Like they're covering a lot of territory. So you have to put up with that. Yeah. But, you know, the younger characters are literally answering these questions that are sort of hanging over this movie in our reality.
1: It's a huge difference maker is unlike Ray and Finn, who don't really understand who Luke Skywalker and Han Solo are outside of Legends. You have, you know, Bugs who's saying, you made my life better. You mm-hmm. gave me the confidence to be who I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is how our world has gotten better. Everything from as something as big and as powerful as Bugs' personal transformation to something as silly and minute as, hey, the new, like, Zion didn't have a sky. We have a sky now. Right. Like, right. it's, it's. I hate this word. It's overused all the time, but the world building in this yeah. film is fantastic. Yeah, I would agree. I, I believe it. I get it. Um. It's it's so it, it feels earned. It feels like the victories mm-hmm. were earned and, and what's changed has changed for a reason. And what has stayed stagnant, because not everything has changed, has stayed stagnant for a reason. You know, right. there are still people inside of the matrix. There are still people who are choosing to live in that existence. Correct. And that is that was never really a driving theme of the first three movies. They always talked about well, there are always people who want to live in the matrix. Mm-hmm. But outside of Cypher in the first movie. There's not really anyone who is like, man, I really want to I wanna be in the Matrix. You don't really get a voice no, for that side no, of the
0: debate. No, the Matrix the, the, the trilogy is very much kind of in the vein of the Terminator stuff. It yeah. is man versus machine, we wanna be free. Yes. Okay. Well but, we've heard that story a bunch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but what I like yeah. in this is that there is this conversation about you know, there can be people who are really scared and fearful and selfish on the outside, who are outside the matrix. And there can be people inside the matrix who are not hurting anyone, who just want to live mm-hmm. their own little lives. And and you have to break them out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're not sinister. They're not evil. They're not, you know, the woman in the red dress. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, they're, they're trying to function as best they can.
0: Which and, is what makes it a commentary on our society today. Yep.
1: Yep. The entire first hour of this movie is devoted to the conversation and discourse that has surrounded the Matrix for 20 years.
0: So it's a fascinating story about storytelling. Yes. Right? It's a piece of media that's talking about all the media that we swim through yes. and what does it all mean. It's a story about making stories and yeah. what do stories
1: mean in a hyper-commodified world yeah. where every single tweet is a story. What's right. the difference between... Right. Uh, something like the matrix and something completely
0: disposable on your phone (laughs) there's literally you know uh, a business owner who's like well you know our parent company uh warner wants to make another matrix i don't know they say they can do it without us but
1: (laughs) it's it's
0: (laughs) it's bonkers there are
1: people online who have given it a lot of heat for being so meta-narrative and i'm like guys it's perfect it's brilliant this is exactly what it should be like this is exactly the conversations we should be having it's 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 spending this much amount of time justifying its own existence because you nerds bitch and moan every time one of these reboots doesn't justify its existence so you can't have it both ways right either you accept the reboot or you let the sequel reboot thing tell you why it exists Mm -hmm. and lana wachowski tells you why this exists and Mm -hmm. why it's important and why it matters, and why it matters that she tells this story. And not, you know, just throwing a name out there, Brett Ratner or somebody, Right. you know?
0: Right. Like, it's... Well, we get, I mean, anybody who's now got an office job with committee meetings, you know, there's there's a creative meeting, there's a whole montage of them trying to come up with what would be the fourth Matrix, you know? And these guys are just empty-headed drones. They're just drones. Our singular vision can be summed up in one word. Bullet
1: time! That's two words. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant, and I just don't... It's, it's much closer to the... We were having this discussion earlier today. It's much closer to the fundamental ideas of cyberpunk than even the original trilogy was yes. as a genre.
0: I agree. Uh, the I original
1: agree. Uh, trilogy of Matrix films is really about saving the world and kind of Christ-like imagery, and there's a lot of Buddhism thrown in there. And it's very cool and it, it hangs together pretty well. But Cyberpunk is in the words of Mike Pondsmith, the man who created the genre, cyberpunk is not about saving the world. Cyberpunk is about saving yourself. And yeah. that's what the Matrix Resurrection is. And
0: that's about. really how I feel Wachowski is, is speaking directly to these fanboys, to the critics that are just everywhere. Right? The people who have been given an outsized voice because of social media that we Like us. Yeah, but we know what we're talking about. Yes. We're not morons. We're not morons. (laughs) Hey, 10 bucks is 10 bucks, eh? Hey, our ideas are good. Our
1: ideas are good. Anyone who doesn't like what we like are
0: morons. (laughs) Now, the good news is, because we're so meta, we recognize how dumb that is. Yes. For us to say that. Yes. The problem is, you know... We've got this culture now, and it's largely based on geek culture, the stuff I grew up with. It's hard for me to battle with these people who can't get enough content. They salivate over the next, you know, the third teaser trailer, and they're posting all the time, and they're commenting, and this, and that, and blah. blah, blah, blah. And then the piece of art comes out, and they hate it. Yeah. Right? They they act like children because they, they can never be happy. It's like somebody who's hepped up on sugar and they need the next piece of candy.
1: Well, it's like seeing your your presence under the tree. They like the wrapping yes. paper and they like how it's yes. arranged, and then when they open it, it's never what they imagined it could be, and it never could be. It's not So
0: know. here is a true creative force. Yeah. Right? I, I think at this point the Wachowski uh you know, contribution to the culture is pretty well set. You know, we can put Speed Racer up to the side. Everybody yeah, makes Speed mistakes. Racer is everyone. <laughs> but they have contributed to the culture. Yeah. And this, I think, the fourth matrix is very, very important because it really lets them stamp that place in the culture by saying, this is why what we talk about matters. And all you people yelling at us, you really need to look at yourselves. Yes. Right? You really, you, you need to examine the hamster wheel that yeah. you're on, right? Because the treadmill the, is the
1: reoccurring symbolism. The, the, the treadmill.
0: treadmill is the reoccurring symbolism. The people who take the blue pill are on a treadmill. But guess what? Here's Wachowski saying, everybody who's stuck in the Hollywood treadmill of content, of big, splashy, candy-colored content, you're on a treadmill too. Yeah. You're on a treadmill too. The the whole movie is about exposing
1: the the... Kind of lies that we tell ourselves, yes. I think. I think and, yes. and
0: and a lot of us are telling a lot of lies.
1: Yeah. Lana Wachowski's point with this film, I think, is that as corny as it is, and as sincere as it is, you know, the only salvation is is love. Love is the only salvation. Love, whether that's familial love, the love of friends, the love of family, the love of uh, somebody, a partner. It it's that is what will set you free. That's there's a what lot will help more, you escape the Matrix. Yeah, there's a
0: lot more love in this episode than in the first three.
1: Oh, absolutely. I thought. Like, I never... I have no bones about saying, even in the first and second ones, which I really like, I never... The, the chemistry between Trinity and Neo is not really there. No. I don't really believe when he leaves the architect in the second one that he's, like, willing to risk the entire freaking human race mm. for Trinity. I'm just kind of like, really? Mm. Is that the level of connection that you have? Because I don't buy it. Yeah. But in this, maybe it's just the fact that they've both become much better actors and and, and mm. it, it could just be that Carrie Ann Moss has... has She's got a lot of work to do in this movie in a very short amount of time. Yeah. She has to really make you believe that connection. And she doesn't have much screen time to do it with. And she does it so well. Mm-hmm. And Keanu has to basically be this awkward antisocial Christ figure, which is a really difficult role to play. And it's it's
0: So here's one of the spoilers where like everybody knows the legend that he could fly. Yeah yeah. And at one point they're like, okay, so can you fly now? And he does a little hop and he goes, Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> well what's great is that he does more than just the hop, he
1: leans over and actually does the distortion. Yeah. When yeah, he yeah. used to like do the Superman thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then when he did like there's just a little hop. like you can see his knees kinda of give out a little yeah, bit as yeah, yeah, you well. Know? No. He's like no, getting old. That's not happening. It's not happening. <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's so great. And really it's a shame that we've gotten 20 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about the two central villainous forces of this film. Go. Which are uh, Doogie Hauser Doogie Hauser, evil Doogie Hauser. <laughs> And uh, evil How I Met Your Mother and uh, evil King George from Hamilton. Uh, I don't remember that actor's name. He's really cool. He's awesome. Like, I'm sorry if Hugo Weaving ever hears this podcast, he'll be very upset with me. But he's probably too busy doing weird off-Broadway nonsense that nobody (laughs) cares about. So, I didn't miss Hugo Weaving. I've seen a lot of people online be like, oh, I miss Hugo Weaving. I
0: don't. We're good. Yeah, I don't either. I'm sorry. This new guy, he's got it. He's... And... And it's I told you uh, before we when we were podcasting before we were recording. Yeah, yeah, that I really like that it's a new actor because this is clearly set at a at a good distance from the end of the third movie. 60 years real world. And so the fact that it's a new iteration, a new actor playing you know kind of this code from the first three movies, I really liked it because the code has a new perspective yes right it is not the same as agent smith from the first three yeah. right he, he's like evolved okay so and the actor does a great job i did like him in hamilton and in here uh, he's got a lot of nuanced stuff to do because he has to remind people of smith but then be the next you know yeah. version 2.0 or yeah. whatever and he did a fantastic job.
1: What I love about both the villains in this movie is that they're evil and they love it. They love being bad. it's not
0: well when you have a actor who can make the monologuing interesting?
1: Yes. Well there is you touched on this earlier but I think it's worth noting that there is a ton of exposition in this movie. There is so much blah 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 in this movie. But here's what makes it work. Well, what makes it work is they know it. And B, most of this, and we were given this advice by one of our favorite authors in person. Michael Mm -hmm. Stackpole told us this both to our faces. Mm -hmm. You disguise exposition as dialogue. Yes. Don't just make it one character going blah, 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 blah. It's a conversation. And almost every exposition scene, with the exception of Neil Patrick Harris's big reveal, is a conversation. It is a conversation between two characters saying, well, why is this this way? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But I thought that this happened. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, yeah. the character, it's not just... Mm-hmm. No character has to say, as you already know, and then says something for no reason. Right. So that the audience can catch up. There's none of that. Characters are asking genuine questions because they have no idea what the hell's going on. Right, right. And, and it's uh, it's really cool to see... Uh, it's Again, we've been talking about the actors who aren't here, but uh, let's not... Uh, shy away from giving credit where it's due, Jada Plinkett Smith comes back. Yeah. Under some heavy
0: makeup. Yeah, I mean. we were sort of hoping for Cornel West. He's still around. I was
1: like genuinely, I was not joking. I really yeah. wanted to see Cornel West because, yeah. I mean, he's getting older. I would really like to have seen him immortalized on yeah. film one last time. Me too. Me too. Um, but, but if Jada it's been 60 job, years in the real yeah, world, like, no, yeah, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Cornel, unless he's got like, like unless he's like half machine, but I, don't yeah. Dr. I don't think Doctor West would have been up for that. No, probably not. So Jada put this green sock job. on your hand, you're half robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it's Jada's doing a great job, and we haven't even talked about New Morpheus yet.
0: We gotta talk New
1: Morpheus. New Morpheus is so cool. Street Morpheus. He's like he's he's oh my god, he's having fun. He's so charismatic. Again, I, I, no shade on Lawrence Fishburne, who's a great actor. But I didn't miss Lawrence I at nope, any point. This is a new Morpheus. He's got a literal new sense of style. What I love about this is that it keeps some of the iconography of the first movie. Everyone's wearing sunglasses, but it doesn't keep like the black trench coats. Like it, it understands <laughs> that's too dated. That's too much. Right. So you've got him wearing, you know, ruffles and kimonos and like he's hanging his, out. In his the, orange
0: suit was awesome. Yeah, the
1: orange suit was awesome. He's hanging out. In that like nether space where they got all the guns in the first one, and he's yeah. just like,
0: "Welcome to the crib." Like it's, and he's so cool. The <laughs> other stylistic thing we haven't talked about is it does keep visually referencing. I mean, there are flashbacks that are straight cuts in the film, straight cuts, right? Like you're watching current, and then there's a quick flash of like two seconds of something from the first three movies. But then there are other times in the narrative where the characters within the story, are literally looking at the movie. right? Yes. Like, the, Morpheus, in that zone, in his See. crib, is watching an old 1960s television that's showing parts of The Matrix uh, 1. Yeah. And he has the line of the movie
1: where he gets to quote the original Morpheus and just goes, No one can be told what The Matrix is. You have to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, he... <laughs> It is crazy. Anyone who doesn't like this because they're like, oh, it's too metatextual, it knows it. Do you think this is being made by an amateur? Lana Wachowski has more directing power in her pinky
0: than you have in your whole body. She knows what she's doing, and she's doing it incredibly well. Plus, so I think the bottom line here in our last five minutes is... This is exactly what a fourth Matrix movie made in 2021 has to do. Must you, do. You can't remake the first one. You can't remake the first one. You have a very, 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 very tiny bullseye to hit. Yes. Of, of this beloved piece of sci-fi, cyberpunk, uh, that influenced a whole generation, Samuel's generation. And here you're coming back after a long time away. And how do you speak to a world that, you know, when the last one aired... We weren't texting each other. Social media really wasn't a thing at nope. that point, right? Nope. And so she literally has characters in here commenting out, uh, if they used to be talking, and now it's just a little... And yeah, the, making... French, the French guy comes back from the second and third one, which is awesome. And he's he's basically an old crazy old French guy, and he's complaining about how everybody just texts now, okay? Yeah. So this is how The Matrix would run in 2021. Yeah, All of these critics... I, I always come back to the awesome song that uh, William Shatner did with Ben Folds back in 2006 or seven, called Has Been. It was the name of their awesome, brilliant album. And that was before social media and texting made all of this so much worse. And it was, okay, you might dislike this piece of my career or that piece of my career, but what have you done?
1: Yeah.
0: Why, why do you get to pee all over... You know, my genuine work, my creative work, which, okay, maybe some of it's less worthy than other pieces of it. But guess what? I made something. Yeah. I told stories that have stood the test of time. I'm still here. And you're just tweeting. Yeah. You're just tweeting at me.
1: And make no mistake, folks. Obviously, we've taken our shots at, at content and and pieces of media that we don't think stand up. Like, we're certainly not immune to that. But we hope that by even at least attaching our names and faces to a podcast, we're putting ourselves at least a little bit more in the arena. You know, we're we're, we're putting a bit more skin in the game.
0: Well, but we're also artists ourselves. We are. I've I literally. I've got published work. You've got published work. I've got art. published work. People can criticize me. That's fine. But, you know, uh, here I think in this fourth Matrix movie, Wachowski is just like, look. You know, there's a lot of noise out there. Yeah. There is a lot of noise from the treadmill.
1: I, yeah, I just love how much the movie even, you, you can see Lana Wachowski's age, and I mean that as a high That's compliment, a compliment. Where, where, you know, she made this movie with her sister 20 years ago about, you know, man versus machines and red pill versus blue pill. And the movie has one, one of the characters even says, you know, red pill, blue pill. What kind of choice is that? It's so binary. Right. Life is not binary.
0: Yeah, there's a lot in this movie that deconstructs binary choices. Yeah,
1: there's, and you see that there are now machines teaming up with humans to fight the worst machines. Which,
0: like which we literally saw her tweet at two people on the right wing, <laughs> who shall remain nameless, Who have picked up the Matrix Red Pill Blue Pill thing and bastardized it? They've literally inverted it from what her point of view would be, and so she's like, you know, you you guys got it wrong. Yep, you got it wrong, and the whole and it has to be that blunt. It has to be that blunt because it's the only way they're ever gonna understand. Well, apparently a lot of people saw this movie and didn't get it.
1: Well, then I'm sorry. <laughs> then maybe you just didn't get the first three Matrix movies either. Maybe
0: not. Maybe I not. think
1: this is a great piece of art because like all great pieces of art, it tells you more about the viewer. It yes. tells you yes. whatever someone's reaction to this is. And, and you can like this movie or just like this movie for whatever your reasons, but no matter what you say, it's going to tell me something about you. It's, it's the same way I feel about um, Evangelion. Yes. And it's the same way I feel about Pink Floyd's The Wall. Now, I don't like The Wall. But even when I say I don't like The Wall...
0: That tells us about you. It
1: has to tell about me. Because right. you can't not like The Wall for like really banal reasons. You, have to, <laughs> right. you do have to put some skin in the game. Right. And I think that's, that's right. what Lana Wachowski has created here. You have to put some of yourself into your criticism or your praise of this film
0: and you have to be working on yourself yes right that's the message is and we had, we didn't even touch on how much this movie actually talks to our current political mo- mo- moment yeah and I really think it does uh, politics matters to me very much uh, we talk politics all the time mm-hmm. but uh, I guess we don't have to talk about politics in this particular podcast but just to say you know there are some lines and some speeches and they don't get dumped at the end of the movie. They, You have to keep your eyes and ears open yep. because she is absolutely talking about this particular moment. So, you know, that point of the movie that we should be working on ourselves and not being caught in binary choices, I feel is very much a comment on our current troubles. Yep. yep. And that's also art I really like.
1: Yep. No, I think that's, that's all that needs to be said other than... Go out and see the Matrix Resurrections for yourself. I think it's it's the kind of art where we can sit here and talk about it for hours on end, but ultimately what I'm really interested in is going out and talking with all sorts of people about it. I'm interested to, to see how the culture absorbs it and, and understands it and... I'm just really, 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 really happy that this was released on HBO Max and not just in the theaters. Yeah. Because if it was just released in the theaters, let's be honest, it was just going to get killed by Spider-Man. And that's <laughs> and that's not fair. That's well, not fair. And, it's and, fine for West Side Story to get killed by Spider-Man. It's not fine for Matrix Resurrections to get killed by Spider-Man.
0: And, and I also do want to leave people with uh, the idea that you can watch this at home without watching the first three movies again. I think a lot of outsiders are probably like, eh, I don't know. I wasn't really too into the Matrix. You know, yeah, I saw the first one. Uh, But we watched it with a very mixed intergenerational audience last night, which included my sister. You know, she's not going to remember details. But because they do so many flashbacks and references, and because this is such a good piece of art on its own, you do not have to do homework. Just go see it. That being said, like I
1: said at the start... I now want to go back and watch the first. Three yeah, well, you're a And nerd. then go back and watch Resurrections <laughs> because that thing's going to stick together. That's and yeah. I actually I want to do I do want to make one more point. We're over our runtime here. I hope I, I love this movie. I hope this is the end. Let the oh, Matrix really? stop. Oh my God, stop! 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 You you did it. You did the impossible.
0: Stop. You I, Must stop. I think Keanu has more to say.
1: Well, I think there's like at least three more John Wick movies coming. So, like, <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta pace
0: yourself, man. Okay, all right.
1: Well, I feel bad that I cut my hair before this movie came out. Otherwise, I'd have, little, have the Keanu hair for this. It would have been great. I could have grown out my beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah People would yeah. be like, oh, you look like John Wick. No, I look like Neo now. Neo. Neo. <laughs> all right, folks, I'm Samuel. And I'm Neo. And this is the Re View Podcast. View.